Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into American Made in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. American Made came out this past weekend. It was in a fight for its life at the box office against It and Kingsman, ultimately falling a little bit short, uh, but that's more for later in this episode when we go into the FML update. For now, just a review of the movie itself. Uh, I went and saw it yesterday, Monday uh, afternoon, and you know it's got really good reviews. It's got an 87% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's got pretty solid reviews everywhere else as well. It's Doug Lyman directed, and he is the director of other films such as Edge of Tomorrow, The Born Identity, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Jumper, The Wall earlier this year, Go, Swingers, Fair Game, a lot of movies, a lot of movies. And he's teamed up with Tom Cruise, who had a pretty shitty movie earlier this year with The Mummy. He's been a little down lately with Jack Reacher. Never go back. Is that the subtitle for it? Might not be. Is it on here somewhere? No, Jack Reacher, never go back. That's right. And so uh, he kind of needed a win, I think. And surprisingly, this is this is a win. This is a good movie. And Lyman and... Tom Cruise work really well together. You know, Edge of Tomorrow is fantastic. I love it. And this is a really good second outing for the pair of them. Uh, you know, American Made. General story is follows this guy, this airline pilot, Barry Seal, who was originally, he just kind of flew commercial airliners for a while. We see this in the opening sequence you've seen it in the trailer i'm sure where he you know greets everybody welcome to this place this place this place uh kind of clever and funny scene in the opening where he is flying the plane it's on autopilot and you know everybody's asleep and then all of a sudden he goes into manual he kind of shakes everybody away claims it's turbulence it's it's clever it's it's funny and uh he is enlisted by the CIA to help transport weapons or other such contraband to South American locations uh, and uh, Central American locations to ultimately further the American agenda in insofar as bringing down the Medellin cartel and putting people into power with, uh, that are American-friendly. However, uh, along the way, he kind of falls in with the Medellin cartel and uh, the Contras and things like that. He ends up being a, becoming a drug smuggler in some senses, and shit goes sideways uh, to kind of sum things up. Also starring in this movie, Donald Gleason, Sarah Wright, Jayma Mays, Lola Kirk, Jesse Plemons, Caleb Landry-Jones, uh, among others. Uh, Donald Gleason, who has had a who had an incredible 2015, wasn't in anything new in 2016, and now has another like four or five movies coming out over the next three or four months. 
if you include Mother, which he had a small role in, he's got a role in this. Uh, he's in Goodbye Christopher Robin and then some. I love Donald Gleason, one of my top 50 actors on my spreadsheet. This movie bumped him up a couple more spots on that list. And he's good. You know, he he doesn't really, you know, this is the Tom, a Tom Cruise movie that he is in the spotlight for the entire time. Donald Gleason kind of has his moments here and there, but he he works and is a satisfactory supporting character. He does, he makes he pulls off menacing kind of kind of well. Uh, he doesn't have to be that menacing, but you do have to sense that you know, as a representative of the CIA in this movie, he can follow good, follow through on these sort of threats and and underhanded uh, manners in which he presents himself. Uh, you know, he's you know constantly in a position where he has to be like, where where Tom Cruise refers to something, and you know Donald Gleason refers to the same thing as like, what do you mean, what suitcase, and. He pulls that off. He does that really well, which is, again, another different character that Donald Gleason is uh, portraying, and he's shown he's got that range. He's he's good. So the first comparison I want to make is that this movie is kind of like The Big Short. From, and if, if you like The Big Short, uh, you're probably going to like this. Uh, you know, American made a lot more action-heavy, a lot more... Uh, sort of main character driven than the short big short was you know the big short didn't exactly follow characters at all but the way that the big short approached the marketing stock market collapse the housing market collapse was unique and hilarious you know it was a comedy about stock and and the stock market which sounds ludicrous but they pulled it off and while I think the content of American Made lends itself far more to the sort of comedy genre, I think that it's still being presented in a similar quirky way. You know, you have this sort of rapper in which Tom Cruise is talking about talking about what's happened from the future. He he, he recorded all these tapes years after the events happened. It's showing him explaining the circumstances he was in and how crazy it all was. So for one, you know he's going to survive until a certain point in the movie, for sure. And I didn't find that to be super debilitating as far as the stakes go. And then on top of that, it's humorous because he's he's also narrating the actual scenes themselves. There's one scene where he's sitting in a boardroom listening to other people d- to discuss, essentially, his future. And he... You know, Cruz is explained to us like, look, this guy wants this thing and this guy wants this thing. And then he re- we rewind the tape and he's like, wait a second, let me just t- repeat that for you again. This guy, blah, 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 blah. You know, and, and you know, it's humorous, it's light, it's, it's uh, lighthearted and it makes the movie that much more enjoyable. Whereas a movie I saw recently called Viceroy's House uh, is neat... Uh, uh, needlessly complicated and far too problematic for its own right and presupposes that you the viewer know a lot more than i think the average person does this movie doesn't presuppose that you know really anything about anything and gives you just enough information when we become when we enter these moments that you need to you know sort of wade through 
the, these waters sprayed through the, the mud and the murk of all of these things. So, love Tom Cruise in this. I thought he was on, in his, on his A game. I thought he did a great job. Uh, supporting cast was all fine. You know, I, Caleb Landry Jones is dirty and disgusting and, you know, perfect for that part. Uh, he, you know, I don't know who else they could have put in that role and, and pulled it off with so much, I don't know, awfulness. It's, it's really kind of awful. I I just, I, I hated the character and I think he did a great job of making me hate that character. And so, you know, this movie is good. It's, it's exciting. You know, it, it, it's just shy of two hours, but it, it moves along at a very clippy pace. And just when you think the story's going to wrap itself up, it presents a new angle, which every once in a while I was like, well, wait a second. Why do we have to add, you know, how, how can we const- constantly, constantly keep perverting and distorting this story further and further? You know, this is not a simple signs up. For, uh, you know, Barry Seal doesn't just sign up for one thing. It goes haywire. It's resolved end of movie no this is like he signs up for a thing he involves himself in something different which then causes the original thing he signed up for to go backwards and then they sign him up for a different thing which he now has to follow through and that changes the thing he signed up for on his side and and it just keeps compiling on top of and top of and top of itself and ultimately that that feels one like it would be confusing two like it would kind of just stretch the movie out far longer than it needs to be and i mean i guess that this is since this is based on a true story, it's actually fairly, uh, you know, it's, it's possibly fairly streamlined compared to, like, the actual story. It seems incredibly complex to take care of, and you can see kind of on Tom Cruise's face, he's just like, I'm just going with the flow here, you know, I'm not going to ask questions, I'm not going to, you know, worry too much. I'm just going to do what I can when I can and try and make everything work out in the best possible way. And I think he does so. I think that the movie presents itself that way with the narrative that it's weaving. You know, you are in the Tom Cruise's character position. You are Barry Seal and you're just kind of flying by the seat of your pants. And you're like, all right, you know, I was doing this thing, but I can't do that thing anymore. Now I got to do this thing. Fine. I'm in. Let's go do it. And I think that's good. I think that the movie handles itself really well in that regard. Uh, it, as far as the shortcomings, you know, I, I don't, I feel like the relationship between Barry Seal and his wife, uh, as portrayed in the movie, is amazing. Actually, like his wife is great. Like doesn't trust him. You know, constantly feels like he's running around behind her back. You no, know, doing all these various. Uh, deals and and underhanded tactics and things like that problem was i just like tom cruise is 21 years older than sarah wright and as good as tom cruise may look for his age and you know it's starting to show on his face for sure i just i just come on like does the real real barry seal have a 21 year younger wife I, i can't imagine i didn't look it up maybe he does if he does it's fine i won't uh you know, I won't exactly, you know, go, go, um, 
I don't know. It, it I don't know. The Wikipedia on Barry Seal doesn't explain it, but it just like it's a very very obvious you know problem. You know we've seen like I've, I'm sure you might have seen those graphs and you know the age of certain you know like if you look at like Johnny Depp movies, his age versus the age of his coast his his romantic co-stars and things like that. Uh, you know with Bond or you know all those kinds of things, and it's really problematic to have such a disparity between the ages of these people and you know for her to her credit like sarah wright does a good job in this role and i didn't it didn't it only kind of took me out of the movie but it did sort of sort of take me out of the movie a little bit a little bit yeah uh i don't know it's just there's not too much to go on like this is a pretty straightforward Despite the despite how convoluted it can be, it is a very much straightforward action comedy thriller kind of movie, and it it's clever, it's well written, it's not as well written as The Big Short in my opinion, and you know I think I think this is the kind of movie that Tom Cruise needs to be making. It's got a little bit of action in it, you know, which he needs I think for his adrenaline, but but it's also very sort of it relies on his charm. It relies on his uh, reactions and chemistry with his co-stars and co-leads. And you know, he has very good chemistry with Sarah Wright. He has very good chemistry with Donald Gleason, and uh, he's able to, you know, make make these situations that seem ridiculous work. You know, there's a moment in this movie where he's covered in cocaine powder. He is throwing money at a at another person and ultimately rides away on their bicycle it's in i think it's in the trailer and you know that scene is perfect he plays that perfectly mm-hmm. and based on the trailer for suburbicon it feels like a trailer uh, uh it, it feels like a better version of the scene in in suburbicon where matt damon is shown riding away from an explosion on this like tricycle kind of thing and uh yeah so it's good i would recommend going to see it it's very fun light action kind of pulpy kind of movie and it's just uh it's it's just entertaining it's it's an entertaining movie and it's definitely if you went and saw the mummy this is definitely going to put you back on tom cruise's good side because you know he is at his finest in this and i think we need to see more collaborations between Doug Lyman and Tom Cruise, to be honest. I, I think they, they make a great pair, and I'd like to see them work together again. I don't, I don't know. I don't really have any spoilers. Like, this is based on a true story, which I wasn't familiar with. So if you are familiar with the true story, obviously you'll have a little bit, you know, you'll have to kind of suspend your knowledge to feel the full impact of the movie and i don't you know i i'm sure that this is kind of a well-documented story for people who are a lot bit older than i am but you know at the end of the day it's still it's still it's just fun and and that's what it's gonna it's gonna feel fun whether or not you know how everything happened so, moving on from this, uh, I guess we're just going to go over and talk about Fantasy Movie League. We sink into our seats right as they dimmed out all the lights. The 
Week 5 of Fantasy Movie League saw the perfect Cineplex uh, also be the most popular Cineplex. That was four screens of It, three screens of American Assassin, and one screen of Mother. American Assassin was the best performer, and It uh, overperformed quite a bit, in my opinion, uh, to kind of be on par with the with Kingsman and American Maid, which made it the best anchor out of the three. So, uh, at the end of the day, the perfect Cineplex was was pretty popular, and a lot of people had it. And in the Cinerealist League, three people had it. Perks, Plex, Keel Music, and Director's Cut all had the perfect Cineplex. Perks, Plex uh, was the one who put it in first, it seems. Let me see. His He had it from... Uh, 8 o'clock, September 28th. Oh, this is October. He had it from Thursday night. Uh, Keel Music had it two hours after him Thursday night, and Director's Cut had it uh, early uh, Friday morning. So Perks Plex won the week, and that's one, two, three. But it doesn't show him as the winning the week on this just yet. I don't know if that's just a delay because obviously he took it. So this is the second week that Perksplex has won in his career. Uh, his fourth perfect Cineplex uh, to go along with the first perfect Cineplex for Director's Cut and the 11th perfect cineplex for keel music which ties rybone for the most perfect cineplexes uh, in their careers uh, i'm behind them with 10 shawbin's behind that with six and perksplex is now fifth place with four total uh, so the rankings this week uh, have changed a little bit I, I mentioned i think in the friday episode that i thought that this was going to be a pretty big moving week it turned out to be that and ultimately when all said and done, uh, Keel Music moved up one spot to first place. Uh, Christine H. Jensen's moved up two spots to second. Uh, Perksplex moved up four spots to third. Uh, Rybone, who had a pretty poor showing this week, he put in, he went in on Battle of the Sexes and missed the best performer this week, uh, which is a pretty odd miss for him given his track record lately. Uh, he drops from first to fourth. Uh, Xanadu's Fantasy Picture Showcase drops from third to fifth. Uh, their their show uh, cine, uh, their Cineplex uh, was kind of a hedge. Kingsman and Jago stronger with a screen of Battle of the Sexes, and that did not go well for them. So they dropped as well. Uh, I moved down one spot. Uh, despite hitting the best per performer, uh, I had four screens of American Assassin in my Cineplex, but I went with the wrong anchor of Kingsman instead of it and so I missed there uh, next up is JLA Born moved up one spot to seventh uh, the flex moved up three spots to eighth Shawbin Zach dropped three spots to ninth he also was a victim of going for battle of the sexes and then rounding out the top 10 is the box officer who moved up three spots to number 10. Uh, previous people in the top 10, Cinemania Theaters and Derek, both dropped out of the top 10 after this week. And 
Director's Cut, who had the be- uh, perfect cineplex, moved up from 18th to 14th. So trying to push into the top 10 here, just about halfway through the, almost approaching the halfway point for this season. Uh, the leader, Keel Music, now sits with $432 million. Uh, he is ranked 64th in the site. That is incredibly well, that is incredibly good. Number two this week, this month, uh, for our, I'm sorry, number two in the league, Christine, Kirsten H. Jensen's, is ranked 702nd. So Keel Music, big gap there, 20, $21 million gap. Um, Perksplex at $409 million, Rybone 46. Xanadu 404, I'm at 400, JLA Borns at 383, Shawbin 382, The Flex 381, and the box office rounds out the top 10 with 371. So now there's a $61 million difference between first and 10th. That being said, with best performers being uh, a little bit more uh, available this week, Kill Music. Uh, in the lead with 120 best performers lifetime, uh, I've got 118. Uh, Rybone missed this week. Shawbin missed this week. Perksplex has uh, 75 and fifth. And for the season, uh, we've got uh, let me see here eight to Xanadu. Eight Xanadu leads the season right now with eight. Best performers. I finally got my first best performer of the season. Uh, so everyone has had at least one. And then we've got a few people with six. Derek has hit six. The Flex has hit six. Shawbin and Perksplex have both hit six this season. Uh, followed by YoJRB and Director's Cut, who have each hit five. And uh, so. Yeah, we've got uh, another big week headed up for us, uh, and this has got a movie coming out called Blade Runner 2049, and it's priced at 838 FML dollars, and that's huge, man. I it's kind of this week kind of depends on like where you see Blade Runner landing. It's been tracking really well so far, but. We've seen movies track really well and be very front-loaded. We've seen movies, you know, is this going to be another it that breaks out and uh, over, over, you know, overperforms its expectations, or are we going to see something smaller at the bottom, kind of steal the best performer from it? You know, we've got Flatliners is priced for a pretty, pretty, pretty aggressively. Uh, small new movies, The Stray and Till Death Do Us Part, don't have high bars to reach and uh, the mountain between us is yet another wild card priced at $150 and you know that's a small bar to clear as well for a new movie with Kate Winslet and Idris Elba so you know tracking is going to be very important Thursday number is going to be incredibly important and your multipliers for Blade Runner and the mountain between us are going to be absolutely key and as far as uh, the Cinerealists go you know, this is uh, this is going to be week number six, and you know, we you've if you are behind, if you are not Keel Music, you have got to think. You either have to play safe and hope that he misses once, or you got to start playing a little bit more aggressively if you want to try and make up some money. Uh, so you keep. Uh, 
but like somehow you got to not mess up yourself and that's that's the hardest part hardest part so uh, good luck to everybody this week and uh, hopefully we can uh, close the gap between Keo Music and the rest of us thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Circle of Film podcast uh, if you have any comments concerns questions or answers you can send those to circleoffilm at gmail.com if you want to know more about the podcast, me, or the spreadsheet, you want to head over to circleoffilm.com for all of your answers and and all the information over there. If you want to support the podcast in any way, shape, or form, head over to patreon.com slash circleoffilm. And as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same good night. I know she'll never Even as she fades from view So long, farewell, I'll be to say